0: Are you ready to know your worth and identity in the body of Christ? Are you ready for kingdom conversations with kingdom people? Welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Caleb McCall, and I will be guiding you through the word with preaching and teaching and empower you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Hello and welcome into the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Caleb McCall. Such an honor to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in to all my Recovery to Recovered family. What is going on? I thank you for tuning in today. I am believing for a powerful, impactful time uh, in the Word today. Uh, I felt led to preach today. This is episode 57, and I'm going to be preaching from a message that I've entitled, When the Tools Change. And I believe that this is something that the Lord has been speaking to me about the season that I'm in and the season that I'm heading into next. And and I'm excited for the tools to change because I'll be honest, Uh, All of 2021 for me has been a battle after battle, fight after fight, and I'm looking forward um, to a new season with some new tools and doing some new things. And uh, I believe uh, as well that that is the case for some of you, and in my time of prayer earlier, I was asking the Lord, you know, what it was that we needed to talk about today, you know, if it was new content, fresh content, a recovery topic, whatever, and I just felt the Lord speak to me that it was it was this message that I needed uh, to speak to you today, and I did preach this message at my church Sundays, and I'm not playing the recording, I'm going to be uh, going from my notes and flowing with the Holy Spirit today and just speaking what I feel on my heart, Um, But I also believe the reason why that the Lord has directed me um, to go uh, this way is because some of you who are listening today need to hear this word because you are fixing to step into a new season and with a new season comes new tools, amen? And so some of you are going to need to pick up the new tools. In order to pick up the new tools, you're going to have to let the old ones go, amen? And so without further ado, I want to jump right into the word this morning, Um, and, and just dive right into what it is that I believe the spirit of God is wanting to speak to you today. And I'm coming at you today from Genesis chapter nine, and we will start in verse 18 and read down to verse 27. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So Noah and his sons, uh, verse 18. Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. Pay attention to that. These three were the sons of Noah. And from these three, the whole earth was populated. And Noah began to be a farmer. And he planted a vineyard. Noah was a builder up until this point. Uh, Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside, But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both of their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their face was turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, curse be Canaan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought this was Ham who did this. Noah's statement there in verse 25 is curse be Canaan, a servant of servants. He shall be to his brethren, and he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Father, over the next couple of moments, I pray that you would anoint me to preach your word. Help the seed to fall on good soil, and may the individuals listening to us today tuning into the episode today may they be blessed by this word and may they hold on to it may they apply it to their life and father god if they are stepping into new seasons i pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to let down of the old tools and to pick up the new in the name of jesus we pray and the church said amen so i wanted to speak to you today from a message that I've entitled When the Tools Change. And I'm preaching today from a text that most preachers stay away from because it's controversial, right? And scholars debate over the text. And there's a few different viewpoints of what actually took place in this text. And I'm going to share a couple and then share my stance as well. And I'm going to teach today. I'm going to prophesy to you today. I'm going to shepherd and pastor you today. I believe You're going to leave this place with a fresh revelation of God's word. I believe that you're going to leave this podcast with a fresh revelation of God's word. Amen. And I'm also going to be preaching to myself today as I uh, speak this podcast because it is is something um, that the Lord has spoken to me about where I'm at and where I'm going, right? And uh, so I'm going to prophesy to you today because I believe the Lord has spoken to me personally about what season I'm currently in but also what season I'm heading to. Uh, I also believe there are individuals within the sound of my voice today who are in that same season that I'm in, but you're also heading into the type of season that I'm heading to. And I say that with some of you who are listening today because some of you are closely and personally tied to me. And when you are closely and personally tied to an individual, you are usually heading in the same direction as that individual. Amen. So I believe that there's listeners, people who are tied to my ministry and ministries that I believe... That God is fixing to transition you from one season to the next season. Amen. But before we get into Genesis chapter 9, you have to understand what has took place all the way up into this point. In Genesis 6, God speaks to Noah and says, I'm about to wipe out the earth um and god has to wipe out the earth for several reasons and but number one reason that he is is because of what is stated in genesis 6 that the sons of god who were angels right saw pay attention to that the daughters of men that they were beautiful and took for themselves wives and when they took for themselves wives they had children aka the nephilim right they were in the earth giants the bible says in genesis 6 they were in the earth before the flood and they were in the earth after the flood. These were violent beings. They were hybrid beings. They were not pure DNA uh, that was created in God's image. Extra biblical texts such as Enoch describe angelic beings also going into animals as well, uh, which would have explained the creation of possibly dinosaurs, right? Um, When a fallen angel went into a human being, it created a giant person, uh, what would happen to an animal if a fallen angel went into it? It would create a giant animal. We know that the dinosaurs were, were um, family members of the reptile uh, um, species, right? But they were bigger. Hmm, something to think about there. Um, uh, the, so, So there are now hybrid beings all over the earth. That's one reason why God has to wipe out the earth with a flood. Uh, God has to fix this because there's not a pure bloodline for the seed of the woman to crush the serpent's head. Do y'all understand that right now? Genesis 3, the seed of the woman will be at enmity with the seed of the serpent. One reason why God has to wipe out the face of the earth and everything on it is to make sure that there was still a a bloodline that has not been tainted, manipulated, or any of those things, the same type of bloodline that Adam had that is pure, that does not have fallen angel blood in it. I truly believe that 100% and I believe that because of the Genesis 3 uh, situation. Uh, So we also understand that uh, Satan has kids too, right? The seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent, um, uh, God's charge against Satan and Ezekiel was his trafficking, right? Going back and forth from the heavens into the earth and from the earth into the heavens. It was just an absolute mess. So God must wipe the, this bloodline out of the earth for the most part. Now, the Bible also says that the Nephilim were in the earth after those days. I believe that fallen angels got back to doing what they were doing before. Um, the Bible says in Genesis six, that the Lord saw the wickedness of man. So this just wasn't about fallen angels. Uh, the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent and thought of his heart was only continually evil. Uh, God was sorry that he had even made us. That, my friends, is a powerful statement, that God was sorry that he had made mankind. mm mm uh, But I I tell you what I'm glad that I serve a God of the start over come on somebody I don't know about you but I'm glad that I serve a God of the start over I'm glad I serve a God who's not afraid to hit the restart button and straighten me out he's a God of the restart he is a God of the refresh he is a God of new beginnings when you went too far when you have taken it to the point of no return he is willing and he is able to turn things around by starting you over if you are thankful for a God of fresh starts. Shout in the cubicle you're in. Freak somebody out at the gym and give God praise right now as you're listening to the podcast. Come on somebody. We serve a God of fresh starts. God was simply looking for a man who would preach righteousness, who would live righteously and he was willing to start over the world because he had found one man who was doing what that was righteousness right amen amen so God sees the thoughts and intents of mankind are continually evil they do not think of anything good they think of nothing positive their mindset is corrupt and it's constantly thinking on sin pondering evil and scheming up evil the world is in a bad place the world is in a state that it has never seen before or since then but watch this Jesus says as it was in the days of Noah it will be in my return So this means that we're in a cycle and we are heading back uh, to this type of world that Noah was living in. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be in my return. So the Bible says that they will be given in marriage. Jesus said they'll be given in marriage. They'll be going about ordinary life, thinking everything is okay. And in the blink of an eye, he will return. Uh, And they'll, they'll be standing at God's judgment, just like when Noah shut that door of the ark and God's judgment was upon mankind as they were probably beating on the side of the ship, trying to get in, trying to climb in, scraping and clawing and all of those things. You know, I'm telling you right now, church, we better get ready. You better have your heart ready for the Lord's return because it's getting worse and worse and worse as every day passes by. They were killing babies when Moses came into the world, salvation of Israel. They were killing babies when Jesus came into the world, salvation of of the entire universe was there. And we have the blood of nearly 70 million babies on the hands of America right now. He's coming back. The king is coming back. Salvation is coming. Jesus is coming. There will be a return of the Messiah, the second coming of the Lamb of God. He won't be the Lamb, he'll be the Lion of Judah at his return. Sexual perversion is rampant in our earth, just as it was in the days of Noah. Biological manipulation is happening in the earth today, just as in the days of Noah. We in the world better really start paying attention to some of the things that's going around on us, uh, around us, and things that scientists and all these people are doing in these labs, and all of this crazy stuff that's going on. But biological manipulation was one of the main things that made God wipe out the earth. If you line up with the way of thinking that I do, that part of the main reason why God had to wipe out the earth was because there was no pure bloodline for the Messiah to come through, for the Messiah to be coming through in the same type of DNA that Adam had it needed to be that same type of DNA why do you think Satan was trying to pollute the bloodline of mankind and having fallen angels uh, taking for themselves wives and sleeping with them and creating children he was trying to mess up the DNA of mankind because of the Genesis 3 conundrum that he had he knew that if he could pollute The DNA and bloodline that there would not be a seed of the woman to come through and crush his head. So he tries to pollute that. But the Lord is coming back again. Come on, somebody. I said the Lord is coming back again. And we need some preachers who will start preaching it again. I remember growing up as a kid, I was scared to death every time I'd be looking for my mama or looking for my dad, and they wasn't in the room that I thought they were supposed to be in. And I'd freak out and think that the rapture had happened, and I was left behind. Come on, somebody. Y'all remember Kirk Cameron? Some of y'all are old enough to remember Kirk Cameron, but, uh, you know, I mean, It's the reason that that was, was because we were taught about the second coming of the Lord. We were reminded that Jesus is coming back. Have your heart right. Have your mind right because the Lord is coming back for a bride that is spotless and without blemish but for some reason preachers have stopped preaching it about the return of the lord and america is paying the price for it we have not a healthy fear of the lord's return there's no fear of the lord in america like there once was we have netflix now releasing gay jesus shows and our society mocks and ridicules the messiah and the savior of the world because they do not fear or think that he is coming back to bring judgment to this earth and it's because we have preachers that won't preach it anymore. We want sermons with 10 steps to your best life. We don't need 10 steps to your best life. We need revival. We need a revival of sanity. We need a revival of holiness and sanctification. We need a revival of the revelation of the second coming of the Lord and having our hearts right and our garments washed white for the pickup for a wedding day. The rapture isn't a rescue mission. It's the pickup for the wedding and we must be ready. Preachers got to start preaching it again that there is the return of the Lord God Almighty, the one true living God and his son, Jesus Christ. We must preach it. We must teach it. We must teach it as in the days of Noah, it will be in the days of his return. And we're heading more and more every single day towards that but God sees the thoughts and intents of mankind are continually evil and he says I've got to do something about it I've I've got to wipe out the earth but I need something to start over with so he finds this man named Noah and the Bible says that Noah found favor come on somebody in God's sight because he was found to be a righteous man and the Bible also says that he was perfect you know a couple of things I want to point out about that real quick number one is this Noah found favor with God because he was righteous. Now, I know I'm not preaching on favor today, but can I tell you something real quick? Favor is like a cheat code in a video game. Favor puts you in rooms you're not supposed to be in. Favor gets you meetings with folks you're never supposed to meet. Favor gets you the job you are not qualified for. Favor gets you the loan you have no business getting. Favor comes from God and favor takes you places you don't belong. Is there anybody listening to me today who's thankful for the favor of God on your life every believer automatically has a level of favor on their life because they're a blood-bought son or they're a blood uh, blood blood-bought daughter and we've been talking about levels at my church for the last couple of weeks but there's levels in the kingdom of God that means there's levels in favor come on somebody so I want to point out to you that there is levels of favor And to have this level of favor Noah had, it takes righteousness. Come on, somebody. We got to start preaching that again in the church. We need a wave of righteousness to hit the church again and stop with all this craziness and stop with trying to look like the world and stop with how can we be relevant and all of that junk. We need uh, righteousness to hit the church of Jesus Christ. Noah found favor in God's sight because he was righteous. He did what was right in the eyes of God. While everybody else was acting crazy in his generation, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. The Bible calls Noah a preacher of righteousness, so we know from everything i've explained so far that noah preached even when nobody was listening come on somebody noah did what was right when nobody was looking and when everybody was watching come on somebody righteousness qualifies you for favor and if you want favor to be on your life you must operate in righteousness number two The point that I want to make there, it says that he was perfect. And if you look at the Hebrew word there, it it means without blemish, whole, complete, intact, and undefiled. What that means is that Noah still had pure blood what it was saying that Noah still had the pure blood flowing through his veins that mankind was created with he was the only one on the face of the earth whose blood hadn't been polluted with fallen angel DNA and corruption his DNA was without blemish his DNA was whole and complete and still intact his body was still completely made in the image of God this was the only man on the face of the earth whom God could repopulate the earth through and bring the seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent Noah not only built the ark noah was the ark for the human dna bloodline for the messiah to come through i'm gonna take a drink of water and let that soak in (laughs) come on there's some good teaching right here i hope y'all taking notes because noah not only built the ark he was the ark he was the only one on the face of the earth left that had the DNA that God had originally made mankind with. And that was the reason why he was chosen. He was a man of righteousness, but he also was still pure before the Lord. Oh, what would happen to the church of Jesus Christ if we would just have that pure heart, that pure, that clean heart, that clean mind, that clean spirit, that pure spirit, pure heart, pure mind, let us reflect King Jesus, oh, what would happen? We would be an unstoppable force and we would be the ark that saves the universe. There is so much there we can unpack and we could stay there for a few weeks. I'm sure there's a lot of good preaching in the story of Noah, but I'm on an assignment today where I'm going uh, and transitioning to verse 20. Then Noah began farming and planted a vineyard. Here, my friends, is where I'm going to hang my hat for a minute, and I'm really going to speak into your lives. You know, pay attention to this very closely, because here's where the tools change. Watch this, new season, new tools. Yeah, 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 new season, new tools. Some of us are about to step into a season, and when you step into this new season, you're going to have to be smart enough to switch your tools. I know this word might not be for everybody listening today. Um, but if it's not for you today, it will be for you one day because if God is a God of levels and systems, then that means you won't stay on the same level that you're at now if you're hungry and you grow and you mature in Christ like all of us should be doing. Um, you have to be smart enough and discerning enough to recognize which season you're in because there's a time for a hammer and there's a time for a plow. Come on, somebody. There's a time to build and there's a time to begin to plant. There's a time to plant and there's a time to cultivate. There is a time to harvest and there is a time to prune. You need to know when to fight and when the fight is over. Come on, somebody. You need to know when to engage in battle and when to be silent. Some of us are about to walk into a new season where you are going to need new tools. The old ones aren't going to work anymore. The old ones won't cut it anymore. The hammer will no longer get the job done anymore. It might be that the plow will no longer get the job done and you need a hammer. And God's calling you to build something. But I came to tell somebody today that you're about to walk into a new season. And in your new season, you are going to need new tools. I've heard heard the Lord speak to me and give me a promise about entering into a new season of cultivating and developing. It's going to be a new season because I've been in a fight all of 2021. As I mentioned earlier, I've been in a fight all of 2021. It's been crazy. It seems like People are coming out of the woodwork on me and people have left and people have abandoned and people have lied and made up things and just talked crazy and attacked and attacked my character and done all kind of wicked and evil things about me. But guess what, baby, I ain't getting bitter. I'm getting better. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna pick up some new tools in this new season. It's time for me to put down the sword and for me to pick up uh, some pruning shears and for me to begin to cultivate and develop the victories that God has given me. I'm gonna be able to cultivate and develop the things that God has given me in the spoils of victory and I'm going to enjoy my spoils and there ain't nobody that's gonna pull me out of this season of peace and prosperity. The Lord has spoke to me and said that it's about time for me to be able to put my sword up and be able to kick my feet up. Come on somebody, if that's you and you wanna receive that, I wish you'd give God some praise too because some of y'all been in a fight all year. You've had people coming against you You've had people attacking your character. You've had people lying on you. You've had people making up stuff on you. You've had people abandoning you. But I came with news for you today. The Lord is speaking today and he is saying it's time for a new season. And if it's time for a new season, it's time for some new tools. Don't be foolish though and go trying to pick up your old tools from your last season. It's okay to put the sword down and pick up the hammer. It's okay to put the hammer down and pick up the plow. Come on somebody. Y'all feel the Holy Ghost all over this right now because I'm preaching to somebody somebody's fixing to get a breakthrough somebody's fixing to get a new season I wish you'd receive it but all of this would do me no good if I don't change my tools The Lord spoke to me and said, it's about to be a new season, but I'm telling you right now, and he told me as well, if I go trying to pick up the sword again in my new season, it's going to hold me back from the things that God has already said are mine and the things that God has already said are finished. Don't go into your next season trying to plow the ground with a hammer. Quit building and start cultivating it. If that's what God's called you to, quit trying to plow the ground. And farm when God has told you to pick up the hammer and build new season, new tools. What are you going to do when the tools change? Come on, somebody. What are you going to do when the tools change? Verse 21 He drank some of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself in his tent. My second point of the text today is this Don't drink the wine. Don't drink the wine of your success. Don't don't drink the wine of your victory. Don't drink the wine of your exploits in your last season. Don't drink the wine of your family was the only one on the yard. Come on, somebody. Don't drink the wine of I made it. Don't drink the wine of complacency. Don't drink the wine of I built the thing that saved the world and now I can let my guard down. Don't drink the wine. Don't drink the wine. Don't become intoxicated. With the very thing that you're supposed to be cultivating. This is just a season of transition. This is just a season of when the tools change. This is just a shift in your destiny. Come on. Watch this. Can I tell you what happens when you drink the wine? It's real deep. When you drink the wine, you fall asleep. The Bible says in verse 24, and when he awoke. He realized what his son had done to him. You know, Sunday at my church, I, I read from a commentary in one of my new King James Bibles. And and uh, I'm not going to read that whole set there, but it, it is extremely, extremely deep. And basically what this commentary does is that it tries to explain what exactly happened in this scenario and in this situation. And there is two viewpoints. The two viewpoints of this that something happened with Ham and his father Noah, that he had actually done something sexually explicit to him, at, in a homosexual manner, that he possibly could have even castrated him. Uh, you know the the Hebrew word there, saw, is the same Hebrew word that is there when it says that they had saw the the daughters of men, meaning that they had sexual intercourse with them. Um, and so there was the homosexual, uh, implications of what had happened, uh, with between Ham and his father, Noah. There was also the second part of this that the, in Leviticus, it talks about seeing your father's nakedness and it's actually talking about the wife of the father. And so what this is saying here is that what possibly could have happened is that Ham could have looked in the tent upon his parents, And upon his father in a drunken stupor and possibly seeing them engaging in intercourse and these passions and these things rise up in him. And he goes in there and rapes his own mother where she becomes pregnant in this situation and births Canaan, which would explain why Noah says curse be Canaan. I know right now you are probably thinking, what in the world is he saying? Um, and uh, when I read that commentary, it blew me away as well. Um, but it has to be a crazy scenario like this. That is the one scenario that makes sense. Why would Noah not curse Ham, who is the one caught up in the action, but instead curse Canaan? It's because the next generation always pays for the sin of the father. We understand that. Um, but also the fact that there was actually a child birthed in this horrific situation that takes place. But this stems from an issue with Noah not taking away responsibility from him and his wickedness and evil in no matter what situation, the homosexual scenario or the scenario of incestual rape of his own mother birthing a child. And that commentary actually explains it as this, too. One of the reasons why he would have done that is to gain more inheritance. Oh, my goodness. How wicked and evil, right? Greed is at the bottom of this thing. Greed is at the source of this situation and of this thing. And so... Um, that, that also they also explained it as why he went and told his brothers when he went and told his brothers he was doing that to assert authority over them and say look i'm fixing to take over this clan i'm fixing to be the one taking over this tribe i have more inheritance that will be coming my way and i'm asserting authority over you absolutely crazy absolutely crazy what is happening that's you know now you understand why uh, uh, preachers would stay away from this text. If they've ever done any studying, they'll understand this text is absolutely crazy. But I also think that's why we need to talk about it, right? But watch this. When you drank the wine, you fall asleep. And when you fall asleep in your complacency, when you are in a drunken and intoxicated state by the great victory, you obtained as Noah did, you fall asleep. And when you fall asleep, the thing that needs attention and protection no longer has them. I actually tend to lean towards the scenario that something happened to Noah's wife because when Noah wakes up, it is not only him who is rebuked for his sin, but his son Canaan is rebuked and cursed and to be a slave of the brothers of his family. He is the offspring of a rape in an attempt to gain more of an inheritance in the family watch this you see greed will always bring a curse upon you and it will affect generations after you you better be real careful with greed if you have greed going on in your life or you're around a greedy individual you better be real cautious of what's fixing to happen around that individual or what's fixing to happen in your life because greed is a breeding ground for curses but my point of that is this. When you're intoxicated by other things, you can't protect what matters most. Come on, somebody. you taking notes. Go ahead and take that one. When you're intoxicated by other things... You cannot protect what matters most. Noah's wife is most likely raped in an attempt for him to take control and power of the family. Ham takes this to another level because he's on a power trip and wants to be in control. But this is actually Noah's fault because he's asleep and not protecting what matters most because he has become intoxicated with his win and next assignment that God had for him. Hmm. Two things about this. Number one, don't rape and p- pilgrimage your destiny because you want more power and control over where it is that you're heading in life. Mm don't rape and pilgrimage your destiny because you want more power and control over where it is that you're heading in life don't take matters into your own hands because you aren't where you think god needs to have you in the pecking order don't get out here mustering up your own plans and purposes for your life instead of god's plans and purposes for your life don't go planning the church because you want a mic aka don't go hop uh, church hopping because you didn't get the position that you wanted don't go starting the business god never told you because you want to be the boss don't jump into the relationship because you lonely and you want to be married god never told you to do that you're going to burst something that will bring a curse upon your life and and this is vice versa too as well though this this doesn't all have to be negative if god told you to plant the church you better go plant it if he told you to start the business go start it if he told you to leave the church you're at you better leave if god told you to marry her put a ring on it right my point is don't mess up the destiny because you're being selfish Don't mess up your destiny because you're being selfish. Number two, this is Noah's fault because he's intoxicated by the thing that God put him in charge to steward. Woo! That's a word. Noah is intoxicated by the very thing that God put him in charge to steward. If you become intoxicated with the wrong thing, watch this, you'll never cultivate the right thing. You'll never develop the garden that's in front of you. You'll end up asleep on the thing that you're supposed to protect and the thing that you were supposed to protect will become a victim of rape and pilgrimage by your enemy. The intoxication leads to the exposure when you have become intoxicated with your wins in life and let your guard down and you've been intoxicated with the win of your last season and when, when you let your guard down, you have now exposed yourself to the enemy and your enemy is not just looking for you. He is wanting to affect generations behind you. I'm going to be closing with this here in just a second, but I, I got to say this this real quick and this is very important what I'm about to tell you. You know, some of you listening today, you are asleep to the very thing that you're supposed to be protecting. Noah should have been protecting his wife and his family, but he was asleep because he was intoxicated with the thing that he was supposed to be cultivating. Some of us are asleep on things we're supposed to be cultivating because we have consumed so much of what we are supposed to be cultivating. We have become intoxicated with the very thing we're supposed to be cultivating. Well, what do you mean, Caleb? Well, well, I'm glad you asked. Watch this. Let me give you an example of this. The prophetic is one. In the Church of Jesus Christ, so many people, especially in charismatic, spirit-filled, Pentecostal circles, whatever you want to call it, we have become intoxicated with the prophetic. We've become so hungry for a word from someone, from someone else and we seek it out in an intoxicated stupor. And we bounce around from meeting to meeting and conference to conference and we looking for a word here and looking for a word there and we haven't done anything with the last word we got, but we are prostituting ourselves and seeking someone else out for a word. We have a generation with a pocket full of seeds, word, and no harvest because they won't apply and plant what they already have. Number one, prophetic. Number two is worship. We worship our worship. We get folks that can't worship if they didn't play the song they like. We got folks that can't worship if they go over one fast song too slow and worships over 30 minutes. And when we do that, you're worshiping in order of service or an agenda, and you've become intoxicated with a westernized church system that ain't getting anybody to heaven. Watch this preaching too. Don't worry, I didn't leave out us preachers. You know, we preachers have have become, a lot of us, in an intoxicated stupor looking for the next preaching venue or the next speaking engagement. We have preachers intoxicated with likes and follows and how relevant they are, and we have preachers with church growth plans that leave out the Holy Spirit in order to get butts in the seats, and we are not protecting the flock and the bride of Jesus Christ or our families and are in a drunken stupor and intoxicated with the very thing that we're supposed to be protecting and cultivating. I prophesy to you today that some of us, some of you listening here, you're about to enter into a new season. You're about to enter a season from building and into cultivating. Some of you are about to enter a new season of cultivating into building. And if you're not in that season, trust me, it's coming. There will be a season of your life where it's time to transition. It's time to pivot. It's time to do something different. And what you do when the tools change will have a profound impact on where you are and the generation behind you. What you do when the tools change will have a profound impact on you and the generation behind you. Don't drink the wine of success from your last season. Don't be intoxicated with your former successes and things that you have just gotten great victory over stay awake stay vigilant protect what God has entrusted you with pick up your new tools and cultivate what God has given you through the spoils of victory in your last season Noah was given a great victory but he let his guard down and became intoxicated with the very thing that he should have been cultivating I want to pray for you real quick, because I believe that some of you are about to step into a new season, and with a new season comes new tools. What do you do when the tools change? i tell you this, don't hold on to the old ones. Pick up the new, and God will bless you for it, and you will be walking in obedience, and with obedience comes great blessing. I want to pray for you, so let's do it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today humbly, Lord God, receiving the word, That you have spoken to me about stepping into a new season. Lord, I've been in a season of battle for the last year. But I'm about to step into a season of peace and prosperity. And my old tools are not going to cut it in this new season. So, Father, help me to switch the tools. But also, Father, there's listeners today that are tuning into the podcast who need to pick up some new tools. Lord God, they're going from a season of building into harvest and cultivating Lord God, they're, they're going from seasons of, of cultivating and development into a season of building, Lord God. Lord, help them to have the right tools. Help them to have the right relationships. Help them to be steadfast in their calling and not pick up the old tools. Don't let them go back to the old ways, Lord God. The old tools won't cut it. Lord, what we do when it's time for a tool change will have an incredible impact on where we are heading. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that will help us walk in obedience and pick up these new tools and do things the new way, and to do things your way, this new way that you are calling us to. Father, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. Such a blessing, such an honor to get to do this with you guys. Thank you to charisma podcast network for making this possible uh go check out articles that i will be writing on the charisma uh magazine page and we bless you and we thank you for tuning in today tune in next week for a new episode on the recovery to recovered podcast blessings thank you for listening to the recovery to Recovered podcast if you like what you heard today visit be the bush com or Miriamhousecom to become a monthly partner or for more info about our ministry and what we are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. You can also follow me on Facebook at Caleb McCall or on Instagram at Pastor Caleb Mac. See you next week.